It's time for the biggest bonanza in podcasting. With Dominic Stern and Nicholas Hodell, this is the College Basketball Bonanza. Welcome into the College Basketball Bonanza, everybody, on another beautiful Sunday night. Thank you so much for joining us here on the weekend's final party. I'm Nicholas Hodell. Dominic Stern is alongside me. And it's another Sunday when I'm here with you, and, and of course, another edition of our previous series. Looking forward to it, my man. Yeah, the Big 12. Uh, it's definitely one of the uh, the best conferences in college basketball. I think I am going to be agreed with a lot of college basketball fans by saying it was the best conference in college basketball last year. Big 10, no disrespect there, but uh, the Big 12 had some of the best teams in the country last year. They also had the national champions, the Baylor Bears. So it's going to be fun. Uh, some head coaching changes here. Uh, head coach left mid-conference. Uh, he stayed in the Big 12, Chris Beard. His inaugural year at his, uh, I guess his alumni, or I don't know how you say it, but the school that he attended to. Uh, Chris Beard will be the new head coach at the University of Texas. It's going to be interesting to see how they are and also how Texas Tech is able to rebound after Beard left. Yeah, this is going to be one heck of a fun year. Let's get it right into our, to the rave, our top story. And the Big 12 has become Transferville. All kinds of good transfers have come to different Big 12 schools. And you're going to see in the rosters of these schools, it is littered with the top transfers in the entire country. Uh, ESG, uh, ESPN's Jeff Borzello, he ranked uh, all throughout the offseason the top 100 transfers uh, in the portal and, and ended up being about seven of the top 16 in his rankings all went to Big 12 schools and no school benefited the most than Texas as she said. Four of those seven that were in Borsello's top 16 with the entire transfer portal went to the Texas Longhorns and the first year for Beard at Texas after Shaka Smart had a, had a tenure that didn't quite get Texas what they were really hoping for. And that was an NCAA tournament win, especially this past NCAA tournament. A nice, solid upset loss to Abilene Christian. But this, Chris Beard, he loves that transfer portal. And he found a lot of great talent for Texas Tech. That is, uh, at least for one of them, Marco Santos Silva, is still there at Texas Tech. And what he's, do and what he's done now... He has really taken it to the next level uh, with guys like Trey Mitchell out of UMass, Timmy Allen out of Utah, but perhaps his greatest prize, Marcus Carr out of Minnesota. Yeah, Christian Bishop from Creighton, Devin Askew from Kentucky. A lot of talent here from different rosters, now going to be Longhorns. And I think a lot of people saw what Chris Beard was able to do with transfers at Texas Tech and say, hey, we know what your strengths are. Here's how you're going to play into our system here. And we're going to win with you, and we're going to win with a bunch of other guys that I've also brought in. That that, that stuff plays well, and that, that is encouraging to other college students who said, hey, I don't like this situation, or hey, I've graduated, and I have the opportunity to go play elsewhere and further my education. Because the University of Texas is a damn good school. So these guys say, hey, I now have a chance to go improve my education here and go play for a really solid college basketball program that is historic, that is fun, the campus is cool, and go play for a great coach like Chris Beard. Yeah, and, and, and Marcus Carr in particular, this someone at Minnesota that really took that team to a whole 
whole nother level. That's just a phenomenal point guard, and he should be one of the best players in the entire Big 12 Conference. And if he does even well enough, he very well could win the Conference Player of the Year award. Uh, but outside of him and some of the other transfers, Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones both are coming back. Both played key parts for the Texas team last year. And I really think that having that continuity from year to year and having at least a one or two guys that knows Texas basketball, they will still have to get adjusted to a new coach and Chris Beard. But I have to imagine that those two are very, very excited and they got to find out that Chris Beard is going to be their new head coach. Right, and not just like keeping some continuity. Players that know what living on the campus is like. Because, you know, you can't underestimate that. These guys, while they are going in the transfer portal and they're great players, it's all of a sudden a change. Marcus Carr, he's been in Minnesota for a long time. Mitchell at UMass. Disu at Vanderbilt. Bishop at Creighton. Allen at Utah. It, they are changes here. So it is a lifestyle change. But Ramey and Jones, they can help those guys out. They also just are going to be more familiar, and you're going to get the most out of those guys. But they also know what it's like to play in front of that Texas crowd. They know what it's like walking on campus after they have a rough game. Or something like that, knowing what it's like after a great game. It's those little things that maybe people don't realize, that just knowing what the expectations are at Texas, and I think their expectations for this year are going to be higher than any of the experiences that they had during the Shaka Smart era at Texas. But I think having some continuity with Courtney and Ramey and Andrew Jones is going to help out Texas a lot. Yeah, and both of those players, even if the transfers hadn't have come Texas's way, both of those players still want to put Texas in a very good position to be able to have a great year in the Big 12. Having those two and then having Marcus Carr and, and having a lot of these other guys is going to be fantastic. Uh, in the front court, yeah, it is pretty much all transfers that have come in. Uh, Dylan Deesu and Trey Mitchell, uh, two of the guys that will probably end up getting plenty of minutes. Uh, Timmy Allen is right there though and and of course as Pac-12 students we saw a good amount of Timmy Allen and he was someone that really lit up the Pac-12 for what it's worth. Yeah he can do it all he can shoot he can back you down he can get some rebounds he can also play some defense and those are the type of players that Chris Beard loves. You got to play defense if you want to be on the court for Chris Beard and these guys they can all do that. Yeah, and, and Texas, I think, is going to benefit as a program from that as well. Um, just search, searching into the last five years as far as the defensive efficiency in the Kempom ranks, uh, for Texas, that goes 21st, 12th, 26th, 24th, 31st. You know, not a bad spot to be in if you're looking to get into the NCAA tournament. But to take that next level, as you and I probably well know, you got to be elite defensively with the nation, and that is something that, Chris Beard just knows how to do consistently getting into that top 10 when Texas was really trying to search for places in the top 25. So, and, and certainly it's going to be a big factor of, on, on defense as far as what they're going to be able to do. Uh, and individually, um, I did watch them doing a Disu film um, earlier today and prepping for the show, and most of the film where he's getting an offensive rebound the defense just did not block him out. I think that's going to be a critical key. And I think he will have to adjust to that kind of lifestyle of the Big 12. It's almost like for Chris Beard, you have an embarrassment of riches from this transfer portal. Trying to figure out who's going to play where is going to be a very, very difficult task. Uh, but at least in, in, in Dylan DC's case, if you do not block him out, he's going to make you pay pretty much most of the time. 
And I think that would be true for pretty much all of the forwards that he has accumulated here on this roster. Yeah, every single player is going to bring something different to the table. And Chris Beard, he's a coach that can bring all those guys together and make them, you know, we set a table, they're going to have a good dinner, and they're going to all get well along together. You know, sometimes these big family dinners, they don't always go so well when people have differing personalities. But Chris Beard, he knows how to get the best out of those. Yeah, and, and Chris Beard knows how to set expectations as well. And, and he really has said in the past, and prepping for this particular year that he is not expecting the offense to get it together straight away. But he does expect the defense to be there. And so you could the expectations, at least for the offense, let that offense get some time to click. And all of a sudden, you got something there. And I do want to read something that comes from the Blue Ribbon College basketball yearbook, which dropped in my inbox about a half hour ago for the digital version of it. So this show's going to be a lot of fun of me trying to go through this yearbook and have this conversation at the same time. Uh, and Beard, one, one of the things he said back in August is that he's not trying to build anything. Quoting here, I'm talking about putting a team together this first year where we could be part of the fight. And I think these four returners and seven transfers allow us to do just that. And that's half the battle right there, the type of attitude you bring into it. And if you don't set yourself with the most massive expectations of all time, Eventually, what's going to end up happening is that you're not going to get all worried about those super high expectations from the outside because you didn't set them from the inside. I think Beard's doing a great job here of trying to not let the expectations get to his team's head. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. He's trying to keep them calm. And like he said, the coach's job is to get the best out of each player and put them in the position that best helps them succeed. He's doing a great job of doing that. I think Texas is going to be a really fun team to watch. Yeah, they really are. In the meantime, there's also a couple of other teams that are gunning for a Big 12 title in their own respective rights, and that includes the defending national champion Baylor Bears. And they, they, they lose Damian Mitchell, Jared Butler, McCall, Teague, those three that really took this Baylor team last year and ascended it to new heights. Uh, but this year's team, not looking too terrible, and they ended up getting one from the portal with themselves and James and Kenyo from Arizona. And of, and, of course, again, Pac-12 students here, so we know pretty much a lot about him from watching a lot of Pac-12 ball. What do you think he's going to bring to the table? Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that he can score, but he can also help out his teammates. He averaged five and a half assists per game. That's about where you want your point guard being at, especially on a team at Arizona that was solid. Now he's going to add some other guys that can shoot. He's also going to have Adam Flagler and Matthew Meyer, who are two really good shooters. All of a sudden, you, you put the ball in their hands, uh, after you draw the attention for some defenders, Akinjo's going to help them get some baskets too. So you're, you're going to see a lot of improvement there from Flagler and Meyer when they're going to be playing a lot. But Akinjo, he can score. He can get to the basket. He can make some layups, do some tough contact. But he can also shoot and he can distribute the ball. That's a really valuable point guard that Scott Drew is going to be having. Yeah, and this is what Scott Drew told the Blue Ribbon College yearbook. Uh, he's been tremendous. Uh, quote, he's really fit in with the team. He competes at a really high level. And you can tell he's been well coached coming from Georgetown and Arizona. So getting a, another new coach for him. And he's, uh, Drew is already citing that, that coaching from Georgetown, Arizona. If there is one thing that Scott Drew needs to add to Akinio's uh, repertoire that he's built at Georgetown, Arizona, it's got to be shot quality for me. This is a guy that perhaps was not choosing the best shots over the course of time. 
And according to ShotQuality.com, that led to Aquino having an expected point per possession of just .78, uh, which is way down there uh, in the 15th percentile nationally. And he's trailing by about six-tenths of a point compared to guys like Timmy and Kispert and Garza from last year. So you can see how that could really try. There's a big room for improvement there uh, for James Aquino. If he doesn't improve on that, they're really going to have to rely on some of these other guys like Adam Flagler. I also watched some footage of Kendall Brown, one of the highly touted freshmen that, are, that is coming into the Baylor Bears. And man, this, this guy could... If, if there's a guy that you could put in a small forward position, positionally put him there, and have him be the best in that position in the conference, Kendall Brown might be it for my money. Just all the different things he can do inside the post, and he can really get you that highlight play if you need it as well to really get your team fouled up. I like what Kendall Brown can really put off and put together. I think he's going to be a huge piece in what Baylor tries to do with some of his floor abilities and what he's able to do. You know, and the front court is also not bad. Playing experience, which is what you really need. Perhaps they may get a need more, a little more production this year. I need to get to say the name. Jonathan Chavachachua. There you oh, go. Oh, yes. Uh, this dude, he didn't play a ton. Uh, transfer from UNLV. He comes in. He averages six points per game and five rebounds per game. He's six foot eight, but man, he does not play like he's six foot eight. He's big. He's strong. He runs the court. Who knows how much he's going to be able to run the court. They also have Flo Thamba, who they were starting at the 5 last year. He doesn't score a ton, but he gets rebounds, especially offensive rebounds. And if Baylor wants to shoot threes as much as they did last year, Flo Thamba on the offensive glass, he's going to be needing to get those boards again. But Jonathan Chamachachua, I expect to play a lot more this year because they're going to be running less four-guard lineups and I mean even three-guard lineups as well. But I think you're going to be seeing a lot of those guys in the Matthew Meyer He's got the size. He's also got the shot. He only averaged 8 points per game last year. I wouldn't be shocked if he's near the 12, 13, 14-point range because he can shoot, but he can also get to the hoop. Yeah, and this is also a very deep roster. Like you mentioned, uh, Flo Flamba, though. He'll probably be getting some minutes here and there, but they probably will not be major compared to some of the starters and freshman Langston Love as well. Another one of the guys that I saw a little bit during my, during my film session earlier today when I was focusing on Kendall Brown when he was at the, at the Geico High School National. So, very interesting team uh, that Baylor has. Kansas is also really trying to get themselves another Big 12 championship. And they also went to some transfers. Uh, and, and notably, Arizona State transfer Remy Martin. And, of course, here at the Bill Austin Radio Studio in downtown Phoenix, we know a lot about Remy Martin and what he was able to do. I'm a little worried for him, though. I honestly think that Remy Martin could potentially get chewed out by the Big 12. Then there is no doubting the type of ability that, that he can bring to the table. Uh, but I do worry a little bit that he may not be able to really adjust as well to some of the Big 12 defenders uh, that you're, that you're going to see. I think he is going to have to really focus on trying to adjust his game and trying to ensure that he is able to want to adjust to his teammates, get in the same rhythm as them, and then also try and adjust to defending because I think Big 12 defenders could put a better number on him than what the Pac-12 was able to do. I agree, but I also think that the teammates and supporting cast around Remy Martin are far better here at Kansas than they were at Arizona State. And that's no discredit to what the Arizona State talent was, but 
Joseph Yesifu transferred from Drake. We saw his ability to score. He's also going to be another guy taking a big step up and facing a lot better defenders. But Ochai Baji, he can shoot. He can also get to the hoop. Same with Jalen Wilson. Much less of a shooter, but he can definitely get to the hoop. David McCormack, I mean, we've watched Remy Martin because we were Arizona State students. The play down low, it's never been there. It never has been. Romello White was fine our freshman year, his junior year. But David McCormack, 13 points per game last year. He finally broke out. He's a stud. Christian Bronze, also one of their best three-point shooters. So the talent around Remy Martin is far superior here at Kansas than it was at Arizona State. So while I agree, you're definitely not going to see him put up 19 points per game like he did this past year at Arizona State. You're going to need to see some more ball distribution from Remy. You're going to want to see him play a little bit more under control. If he can average 14 points per game, so the points definitely come down. But he can average five assists per game. I think Candace will definitely take that. Well, it's not I think. it's they'll, they'll take that because that's a really good point guard season. He's got the experience. He's going to be the most experienced player on the court. And hopefully his relationship with Bill Self is gelling well right now. Because, man, Remy, Remy, when he's on, he's so fun to watch. He is. We, we've watched that so many times. Uh, Chef Remy, let him cook. Yeah, when, when Remy Martin gets going, and quite frankly, I think Bill Self knows that from experience in that entire yes, Kansas program. Does. Yes, they do. And I think that's part of the reason why Self wanted Remy Martin in the first place. You know, being able to see a guy cook your team like that and the, the way he did for, for two years, uh, that really has got to be one of the most compelling reasons to get a guy from the transfer portal than anything else that's out there. You can watch all the film you want, but at the end of the day, when you see a player cook your own team like that, that's got to be the most convincing factor of it all. And I, I really think that is going to be such a critical task for Remy Martin to try and get going with his teammates. And, and, David, and David McCormack is a guy that's already being pegged for preseason conference player of the year, believes in the preseason second team All-America through the Blue Ribbon. So he's definitely a guy that is going to give Martin that inside threat that he can get the ball to. And you're absolutely right that the inside was never quite really there. I think Martin had to do a lot more things himself than being able to feed the ball to his teammates. And we could see perhaps a scaling back of the points and a scaling up of the assists, like he said. Yes. And, and quite frankly, that could very well end up being the best thing for Remy Martin. If the big 12 defenders scout Martin properly, he's going to be defended like crazy. He almost has to get the ball to his teammates in order to keep up his production, I feel like. So I, I think that's going to be a big part of that. Uh, and in the meantime, you have plenty of other experience as well in guys like Jalen Wilson. Uh, and then even up through the bench, uh, potentially, Christian Braun, uh, the junior, who put up nearly 10 points per game last year. Uh, Juwan Harris, who will get probably some more minutes. And also Iowa State transfer, Jalen Coleman-Lance, who did not put up a bad year in his own right either. Yeah, and they also have Division II transfer Cam Martin, who, like we said, Division II. Make that very clear right now. Division II. But he averaged 25-9 and nine against Division II players. So the talent's there. It's how well is that going to transfer Bill Self, he's a tremendous head coach. He'll make sure to get the best out of these players. And I don't think you can overstate the impact of having that true point guard. We haven't really seen that as much with Kansas basketball uh, as of late. Uh, obviously, last year, they had the very stout play from... Uh, oh, why am I losing his name right now? Uh, he was so fast. Well, we saw him two years ago when Kansas was the number one team in the nation. 
Oh, I, I hate that I'm losing his name right now, and Ryan Blank would absolutely murder me if I forgot his name. <laughs> but uh, but we also remember Mason uh, from a couple of years ago. That's when Kansas was good. Having the key point guard is going to be important. Having the guy that you can put the ball in their hands and know that they're going to make the best decisions. They don't have to score, but they have to make the best decisions. It's going to help out a lot. I'm going to find that name right now. Yeah, and one more quick point I'll make on Yasestu and Martin is that when they, they were very good when they were on. The problem was is that when they faced TRA opponents, their numbers went down. You got the name? Devon Dotson. How did I forget that? There you he go. He was so good. How did I forget there you that, go. Nick? I can't believe you let me forget that name. And, no. <laughs> <laughs> and for, 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 at least for Remy Martin's case, when he played TRA opponents, his offensive rating went down by about eight points against the average against all, all, all opponents. His two-point percentage went down by about 12 points. With, with Yazestu in the four games he played against TRA opponents compared to his average against all opponents, his two-point percentage plummeted by over 20%. His offensive rating plummeted by about 20 points. That's going to be a key factor. If, if Kansas is going to win a Big 12 conference, they're going to have to get those two guys going against tier A opponents. Meanwhile, you have those three possible contenders. You also have three other teams that perhaps will make some noise themselves. And I'm going to start off with Oklahoma State here. No Kate Cunningham. It may end up being absolutely no problem at all because this, his teammates were really just as good uh, with Avery Anderson, uh, Isaac Lakika. Uh, it's really hard to yeah. pronounce. It's like a lay. Yeah, I, I should have looked shirts that up before the show. Caleb Boone as well. You have those guys. One of them's going to have an absolutely breakout year. I yeah. can just tell you that right now. I'm not sure who it is. They also got a former five star recruit uh, and six foot ten center who played at Memphis last year, Musa Sise. And I think that's going to be such a key piece for them. I think you can plug him in at the five, and he's going to get a lot of playing time there. Uh, they have a lot of talent here. And we saw last year, Cade Cunningham, he didn't always have his best game, and he rightfully deserved to be the first overall pick in the NBA draft. But when he wasn't on, you saw Likely step up. You saw Avery Anderson step up. You saw Khalid Boone step up. So they have guys that can play basketball and play basketball in the Big 12. I think this is going to be another very talented team that is going to be ranked throughout the year. We saw Mike Boynton. He's not just the guy that recruited Kate Cunningham. He's a good college basketball coach. Now, maybe does the NCAA come to their decision on Oklahoma State? We don't know, but until then, they're just going to go out and play basketball. And here's what Coach Boynton told the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook on um, Lake you can just say that for me. Likely. Yeah, likely. I've completely lost it. Here's the quote. We need him to be a leader for us, understanding how to prepare, teaching the young guys how to prepare for a conference, and being a little bit more consistently productive from a defense and rebounding standpoint, uh, but also from scoring. So he is going to have to be that overall guy uh, for the And the Memphis transfer that you mentioned as well. Gosh, he could end up being one of the best newcomers in this conference as well. And it's Probably a shame because he's probably getting overshadowed by just all of the other transfers that the Big 12 ended up getting. Just a ridiculous amount of wealth within the transfer department uh, for Oklahoma State this year. Over in West Virginia, there is experience everywhere you look. With redshirt seniors just flooding this roster. With Sean McNeil, Tash Sherman being two of the major pieces to really watch. They also got some chances of their own right with Old Dominion Chancellor Malik Curry. He's expected to be one of the better players as well in this team. And experience is always one of the things we really talk about when we talk about a team that's ready to compete for a championship. 
because you have to have the, ex the experience of having done it in, in Division One college basketball, let alone the Big 12, and West Virginia at least checks that box off. Yeah, they're going to be losing two of their best players from last year, though. Derek Culver, who played the four slash the five, and also Miles Deuce McBride. McBride didn't really play defense, and Culver wasn't as great of a defender either. So maybe their defensive unit actually gets better. West Virginia was supposed to be a really good defensive unit. That was obviously before Oscar Shibwe ended up transferring mid-year to Kentucky. He'll be eligible to play there this year. Uh, he's not included here on the key losses, but I, I think that this West Virginia team is going to be good, and I think they're going to take defensive improvements. What do you think of when you think about West Virginia basketball, Nick? Press Virginia. Yeah, Press Virginia, the defense. But last year, 70th in adjusted defense, according to Kempom. They weren't a good defense. I was super excited when I saw that San Diego State was in the same region as West Virginia because I knew that, hey, this is the type of team that San Diego State can beat because it's not the typical West Virginia team that we've seen in the tournaments. Fortunately, San Diego State got run by Buddy Beheim in Syracuse, and they're just like the biggest fluke shooting performance I've ever seen. But that happens in March. And you know what? If this team, they transition more back into that West Virginia basketball that we've seen over the past several years under Coach Bob Huggins, the Huggy Bear, I think you could be seeing West Virginia be a very talented team. they got a lot of shooters, like you mentioned, Taz Sherman and Sean McNeil. They can shoot. Also, another fun name, and a name that I'm going to pronounce right here, Gabe Osaboyan. Love that name. We love the Big 12 and their fun names. Yes, we do. Now, they don't have the greatest name in college basketball. That 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 name goes to the, the pride of Illinois and the fighting Illini, which we don't have to get into yet because <laughs> this is the Big 12 college yes. basketball preview here on the College Basketball Bonanza. But West Virginia, they're going to be good. They have experience, they have shooters, and they have big men. They're going to be a good team. Yeah, and, and, and Gage really is more of a defensive unit. He's going to have to really start producing some more uh, if, if this team is going to be successful, he's going to have to be, be one of those main guys down low. And I think because of the same thing also about redshirt sophomore Jalen Bridges. He's going to have to take a step up in his production as well. But McNair and, and Sherman, at the very least, they've been there. They've done that. I'll be curious to see what Malik Curry can do straight off the gate. Uh, he's going to have to be someone that is ready to go straight away after the non-conference schedule. And here's what Co Coach Bob Huggins told the Blue Ring College book about Malik Curry's skills. Quote, he has got good ball skills, and he shoots it on the perimeter a lot better than we were led to believe. He attacks the rim, but he is not quite as big as we thought he would be, but he is big enough. Big enough might be the key because if West Virginia really likes what Curry has got going for him, a lot more than they originally thought, that could be a very interesting sight come Big 12 season. Yes, and you're referring to Malik Curry, transfer from Old Dominion. I don't know if you said yeah, that or not. Yeah, that is absolutely correct. You'll be... It'll be a step up from Conference USA to the Big 12. Slightly. Yeah, slightly. But it, it, it'll be very interesting to see what he is able to do. So, what is Texas Tech going to be able to do without Coach Chris Spears? They ended up bringing Mark Adams to the fray uh, to lead this team going. And they got all kinds of transfers themselves. And I think one that perhaps... ASU fans don't want to remember too much because it was a disastrous game against UTEP, and that is Bryson Williams. I mean, he put up 22 and 10 against the Sun Devils back Ooh. on December 17th. Forks up. Yeah, yeah, and that and he was really the big part of UTEP being able to get a 13-point win. In addition to ASU putting up another big stinker from behind the three-point line, but we don't got to talk about that. No, because this is the. Big 12 preview yes. on the College Basketball. Yes, Bonanza. it is, and, and Bryson Williams is someone that is going to have to really be that guy that can step in there and, and really contribute making the jump from Conference USA 
uh, going up into the Big 12. Uh, but you also have guys like Terrence Shannon mm -hmm. and Marcos, Marcus Santos Silva, a couple of key returners to this team. Yeah, Terrence Shannon was a lot of people who a lot of people viewed, uh, I just said a lot of people a lot of times, uh, who a lot of people viewed as a potential first-round draft pick in this last year's NBA draft. He decided to stay, which I found to be shocking, considering the fact that his head coach, Chris Beard, left to go to Texas. So the fact that they're getting him back, he is a freak athlete who can also shoot. He can get to the hoop like none other. He also plays really good defense, averages over a steal per game. He's so talented. Kevin O'Banner, we saw him in the NCAA tournament. He was a baller. He oh put up 18 points gosh. per game for Oral Roberts. Uh, they, they took the hearts of everyone, and a lot of the a lot of the attention went to Aismas, but obviously O'Banner, he deserved a lot of that credit too. How is he going to make that transition from the Summit League over here into the Big 12? They also have another key transfer in Davion Warren from Hampton, who averaged 21 points per game, and Adonis Arms from Winthrop, who averaged 10 points per game. These guys, they, they all can hoop. It's Can they hoop with the big boys night in and night out? Because they're, they're going to have a lot of talent on this team. And Mark Adams, he's going to have his work cut out for them, making sure that they can keep that culture that was instilled at Texas Tech. Having guys like Kevin McCuller, Terrence Shannon, and Marcus Santos Silva that know what that's like is going to help out with these transfers and fully instilling that. And, and, and at least in the case of Bryson Williams, he knows how to deal with Big 12 opposition. Uh, when UTEP played Kansas back on March 4th, Bryson Williams put up 23-13 and 13 in a game that UTEP had led by 14 at halftime and ended up losing by 5 points to Kansas. But he was able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with guys like David McCormack. So he, he does have a little bit of experience against Big 12 quality players. That's going to be huge for Texas Tech. I, I think that could very well be one of the more underrated pickups uh, of the entire conference from the transfer portal. I mean, when you, I mean, when you see just all kinds of transfers going to the Big 12, I mean, I'm not even going to try to count off the top of my head how many of the top 100 from Jeff Borzello they ended up getting. Uh, but the conference just did an incredible number on, in the course of the transfer portal. Yeah, Bryson really is maybe one of the more underrated gets because uh, he, he does know how to play pretty well against Big 12 quality players. That's exactly what he did um, against Kansas on March the 4th of this past season. We're going to take about a one-minute break, but coming up, we'll get into the business end of our program, including some of our preseason individual awards and, of course, our preseason Big 12 forecast. You do not want to miss it. We're going to come back in one minute. Welcome back to the College Basketball Anza here on Blaze Radio and BlazeRadioOnline.com live from the Bill Austin Radio Studio. I'm Nicholas Hodel alongside Dominic Stern. We're the Big 12 preview show. We have come to the business end of our program for the, for the next half hour or so. We're going to get an end to our Bonanza rank here right now, which of course, it's a varying topic every single week. And with the Big 12 getting so many transfers, I think it's only appropriate that we do our top five incoming transfers from a conference perspective. The conference's top five incoming transfers. I'm going to start with you and your number five. My number five, I'm going to go with, let's see. Uh, sorry, I, th I did not have a number five here. I'm going to go with uh, Marcus, not Marcus Carr. Uh, hold on. Sorry, here, give me your number five and I'll have my. Carol Banner, this is, a, this is a guy that. Clearly, uh, you mentioned earlier in this program, Mass Aismas really took America by storm. This guy was one of the, the bigger ones as well. 
of 70 points and 33 rebounds with three double-doubles against Ohio State, Florida, and Arkansas in his tournament run. Clearly someone that has played really exceptionally well when, when everything's on the line. Going doing that for the Big 12, he's going to be able to do it right away. Now you're number five. Yeah, my number five. I'm going to have Trey Mitchell transfer from UMass to Texas. He's probably going to play the five for them this year. Average 18 and 7 at UMass. It's obviously in the A-10. A lot different change of style in basketball. He's got one of the best pedigrees, but I'm not sure it transfers maybe as well as some of these other guys. So I got Trey Mitchell at five. Yeah, he's my number four. And this, and I did watch some film of him. He can play exceptionally well, and he does have a nice feel for the interior. But and the, the point you mentioned, that uptick from the Atlantic 10 to the Big 12, I mean, it's a strong one, even though you're coming from a perennial multi-bid league. I mean, the Atlantic 10 is not as good as it was once it was back in the day. So he is going to have to adjust a little bit. But you know what? So is half his team, pretty much, adjusting yes. to big, to life in the Big 12. Um, your number four. James Akinjo, point guard from Arizona, now going to Baylor. I think that you saw him play for a team that didn't have a chance to go to the NCAA tournament, but he still went out there and played hard for them. 15 points per game, 5 assists per game. That's going to translate over to an offense that was losing a lot of scoring, but also with a lot of talented players. I think James Akinjo is number four. My number three is going to be Timmy Allen from Utah. Uh, and this, and we, we, we've seen what he's been able to do and just be one of the best guys in the, in the entire Pac-12 conference uh, last year. Uh, as a guy that is versatile, he can be all over the court and still be productive. He can make those different plays for you. He can go inside when he wants. I think he will be asked to go a little more interior-based instead of trying to play all kinds of different spots on the floor. But he's but he's proven that he can be he can do that if he needs to. Yeah, my number three is also Timmy Allen. Like you said, he can do it all, but they're going to ask him to do a lot more down low. 17 points per game, 6 rebounds per game, and 4 assists per game, along with a steal and a half per game at Utah in the Pac-12. Not too big of a step up in terms of play. Definitely is some. But I think you're going to see a very stout season from Timmy Allen. Yeah, and, and the other pack, the other major Pac-12 transfer, Remember Martin, my number two, someone that is going to be considered at the very minimum for some reasons All-American teams. I don't think he'll make a lot of them, but this is certainly a guy that, as we, you and I both know, and the rest of our station here at Blaze Radio knows, someone that when you let get going, you are in major, major trouble, and someone that, as we've mentioned could be asked to step back his scoring and step up his assist totals, but I think he'll be able to do that with the quality of talent that the interior has to show in Kansas. Yeah, I also have Remy Martin here at number two. Like you said, repeating what I said, the scoring totals are probably going to go down, but the assist totals are going to go back up. I think you're going to see a more controlled version of Remy Martin now that he's playing for one of the best head coaches in the nation in Bill Self. I think that Remy Martin could be the leader, and the point guard that they were missing last year in Kansas' down year, but we saw it with Devon Dotson and, uh, and, and George Mason, or not George, Frank Mason, uh, those really talented point guards at Kansas. We've also seen uh, also at Duke. You need that point guard if you want to have that really good season. I think Remy Martin can be that guy for Kansas. I'm assuming we both have Marcus Carr at the top spot. We do, yes. When I when I wrote down my top five before the show, I accidentally wrote down Timmy Allen at the three and the five. That's why I needed to do a quick little panic there. But yes, Marcus Carr is at number one. 19 points per game last year at Minnesota and an offense that was very up and down. Sometimes they would just blow the barn off you, which is a, a very, uh, that is uh, pun intended. 
because they played at the barn in Minnesota. Four rebounds per game and also five assists per game. He's going to be one of the best point guards in the nation. He's going to have more talent around him and definitely a better coaching staff with Chris Beard. You're not going to see him put up 19 points per game because he's not going to have to. There's going to be other players around him that he can help score. Marcus Carr is the number one transfer here in the Big 12. Yeah, and this is a guy that, quite frankly, could be the, the conference player of the year, as I mentioned earlier on this program. He just has that shot-making ability. And when the game's on the line, that's going to be a fun problem for Texas to have, is that who do you get the ball in the hands to when the game's on the line? I think Marcus Carr's going to end up winning, winning that, that role over some of the other guys that, that are on that team. And that is a very stacked roster of transfers, so that's going to be very, very fun. Uh, next couple of minutes, just to mention some of the other transfers. Uh, Tanner Groves to Oklahoma, mm -hmm. the Big Sky Player of the Year. This is someone that really put Kansas on a big trouble for the NCAA tournament with 35 big ones uh, with 17.2 points and 8 rebounds a game over the course of the year. Certainly, this is a guy that Porter Moses is going to be able to really use uh, to his potential. Yeah, definitely. I'm also going to highlight Kristen Bishop from Creighton over to Texas. Obviously, you could highlight just about anyone over on Texas because they're that talented. There, there's so much talent here in this conference and a lot of talent that has been imported. Uh, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and even a team like TCU, who we're not going to mention much over the course of this program, uh, Texas A&M transfer Emmanuel Miller, Texas Tech transfer uh, Makai Peavy, uh, both of those guys going to TCU. And when I was really watching a lot of film of TCU, uh, I was actually really, really impressed with what I saw uh, from the uh, U19 FIBA World Cup uh, and Mike Miles, so a, a guard that can really stood out in that tournament. And I mentioned the FIBA World Cup and with, and with Mike Miles in that roster because. I took a look at the FIBA World Cup roster from two years ago, and this is just a who's who of just stars on the, on, on the 2019 roster of Tyrese Halliburton there. Um, gosh dang it. Like Calais. Like Calais there. Hey, Nick. Like? Like? Calais. Calais. Say it now. Like Calais. There you go, there Nick. We go. All, right. All right, we're learning. Isaac Like Calais. There we go. <laughs> Lack of preparation. Won't happen no, again. No, no, it's not a lack of preparation. His, he's got a tough name to say. Yeah. Jalen Suggs and Kate Cunningham were on that team. Uh, Evan Mobley was on that team. Uh, Jeremiah Rowe Robinson. Uh, That's not fair. Yeah, I mean that roster. I mean that roster was ridiculously stacked. Um, so and 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 also Miles was on that team. Patrick Bartlett Jr. was on that team. Kennedy Chandler, which we'll probably type on the SEC show. Uh, Chet Holmgren was on that roster as well. What? Yeah, I mean, I mean it is ridiculous the, the kind of roster that USA puts out. And I only mention it because these it gives you a good indication of the type of guys that could be stars down the line. So that is going to be a very key point to look up. Probably may not mention TC the rest of this program, but keep an eye on Mike Miles, what he's able to do, because at, at least if the pedigree from the roster of two years ago kind of gets into the 2021 U19 roster, he could be a fun, fun guy to watch. Let's go down to our Shining Diamonds. And for the, over the course of the preseason, it's been, we'll, we'll keep it the same pretty much for our preseason player of the year, newcomer player of the year, coach of the year, surprise player. We're going to add one more to the pot, though, our most overhyped player. So may not be the most shining of diamonds necessarily, but also someone that perhaps could burn us down the line if that guy ends up performing. So we're going to go with our newcomer of the year first. I'll go to you. Oh, you really switched it up. 
I have Marcus Carr here. You know, we just talked about it. We ranked our top transfers. He was the number one transfer. It only makes sense for him to be the newcomer of the year in the Big 12. We've already mentioned his stats. I really don't think we need to go over them once again. But Marcus Carr, phenomenal player. He can shoot. He can get to the hoop. He can distribute. That's all you want out of your point guard. And I think Chris Beard's going to really like him. Oh, yeah. I think Chris Beard's going to love the guy. He could. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I mean, we'll probably get multiple press conference name drops uh, from Marcus Carr and, and the type of performance uh, that he is going to be able to put in. I really like, uh, and I think everyone's really going to like Marcus Carr. He's going to get the Big 12 so many problems. It's going to be fun, fun to watch. Let's go to Surprise Player of the Year next. Surprise Player of the Year. Once again, you're continuing to surprise me with the order in which we're going to be talking about these awards. That's fine, though. My Surprise Player of the Year from the Big 12, representing the West Virginia Mountaineers, is going to be Sean McNeil. We kind of saw him start to take off more as Big 12 play came to a wrap. But Sean McNeil can really shoot the basketball. 12 points per game last year. Now that McBride's gone, I think you're going to see more ball handling from McNeil. I think you're going to see more shots go up from him. And in essence, you're going to see more shots go in. More shots going in leads to more points. I think Sean McNeil is going to be the surprise player from the Big 12. Yeah, I think Taz Zerman ended up getting a third-team honor from the three-man lead to third preseason preview. For, for me, I talked a little bit about what Kendall Brown can bring to the table as a freshman to this Baylor team. And, uh, and at the least of guys like Adam Flagler and James Akinio, I think both of those guys were going to stand out on this Baylor team. But Kendall Brown, I think, may end up being that third guy. He and me, he could end up competing for all conference honors himself when when it's all said and done this year. I just really like his ability, and if he's able to play that small forward role where he's he is getting out, he is sort of on the outside base, and also come in when he wants. I think he's going to be a massive star for this Baylor team. Let's go to our coach of the year next. I just went with Bill Self here. I think that. This was a tough award because I really don't know how they're going to favor this into it. Because Texas, you can say, oh, Chris Beard is in a new program. But it's like, okay, he coached in this conference. He coached in a national championship just two years ago. So all of a sudden, it's like, all right, Texas really has to win this conference in order to win that award. You could look at Scott Drew, but Scott Drew won a national championship this past year. He didn't lose a lot of players, so he could easily win that. If Baylor's anywhere near the status at which they just were this year, you got Huggins. They could obviously have a good year as well. And you got Adams at Texas Tech. If he can keep Texas Tech in that same spot, I think you could also see the award going to him. But I think Kansas is really going to stand out in a really talented Big 12 because of that I went with Bill Self. I could definitely see this award going to like five different coaches. It's not like the ACC where you're like, all right, it's going to Coach K, you know, anywhere else in there. There, there weren't a lot of choices in there. By the way, if you didn't listen to our ACC college basketball preview you can find that on your preferred podcast platforms on the college basketball bonanza there you go there you go there but, you go uh coach bill self will be my big 12 coach of the year i went with chris beard for the fact that yes he's coached in the big 12 before but what he's really done is that at, at least on paper so far he's built a roster that can that can go to the final four for 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 all intents and purposes i mean when you get guys like Marcus Carr, Trey Mitchell. I mean, God knows what, what he'll do with Timmy Allen and, and Dylan Disu, what, what the share of minutes will be for both of those guys. Uh, and Devin Askew is kind of buried down there a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be a work in progress for him, but if he gets him going, it's just only going to add to this roster of just all kinds of talent. And when you build a roster like that, 
And it's not it's not necessarily completely from scratch. You still have Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones in there, but it's just the influx of transfers that that are going to impact this Texas team. What that tells me is that if Texas does their job and does end up at the very minimum top three in this conference, that tells me that Chris Beard built a team that can compete for national acclaim as well. Because if you keep competing level the, the Big 12, you're competing for national acclaim pretty much at that point. 100%. Yeah, so it's just, you've got easily between Carr, Tisu, Mitchell, Bishop, and Allen, five guys right there that you brought in that were not on that team before. Essentially, what you've done is that you've built a roster. With, and you've, Obviously, the two pieces are still there, Randy and Jones. You've built yourself a roster that, that can compete for a national championship. If Chris Beard gets that team to gel together and really gets them going, that alone for me is enough. Yeah, in case you didn't hear from both Nick and I, this Coach of the Year race, obviously it's not what people watch college basketball for, but the Coach of the Year race is going to be very fascinating because of the storylines. Yeah, it really will be. I mean, just imagine the Texas-Texas Tech matchup, especially in Lubbock, Texas. Oh. Woo-wee! That's going to be a fun one for sure. Uh, before we get to the big winner, let's get to our to the negative side of this. Our most overhyped player. Yeah, so I think the term overhyped and like overrated are bad terms. And so like when you texted me that we were doing this, I'm like, okay, you gotta go in and you gotta think about it for a little bit, you know? Because the way I view overhyped or overrated is like the perception of others. Who is it a little too high for? And that makes it really tough to choose whoever I'm gonna give this award to. And I chose a guy who played for the national championship team last year, but he didn't have as big of a role, and a lot of people are just automatically assuming that he's going to have a massive role with the team this year. I'm going to go with Adam Flagler for Baylor. He averaged nine points per game last year, two rebounds, and one assist per game. And that's not to his own fault because he's a very good player. But I think a lot of people are expecting the fact that Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, and Macy Oteague are gone, that Adam Flagler all of a sudden is going to be a a conference player of the year candidate. I'm not sold on that because I think that maybe a part of why he was so good was because he was that fourth guy. He was able to go in and be rested every single time, and he was able to get the best basketball out of all of himself. He wasn't getting the best defenders, but I think now he's going to be getting that treatment from the other Big 12 teams, and I think because of that, you're going to still see him put up some improvement because he's going to see uh, more shots and more time on the court. But I don't think people are going to see him get those 16 to 18 points per game like a lot of people are expecting. I think 13 to 14 points per game I think is a little bit more reasonable. So I'd say Adam Flagler is the most overhyped player in the Big 12. Yeah, and, and we're all, when you're on a national championship team, more and more people get to see you. And, right. and that, of course, means more more casuals know you. And they're going to, and, and, you know, the overhype from casuals is going to go off the chains at some times. Just based off the kind of shot quality that James Aquino uh, puts up, it just doesn't make me that big of a fan of him in the Big 12. you got to be smart with your shots. And when, when Big 12 defenses get to you, and, and if Aquino does not improve in his shot quality selection, I think that he, he's going to not necessarily take a major of his numbers. He's still going to be a quality player. I just think that if Aquino flat lines as far as the kind of shots he's taking, he could be in some big, big trouble. Uh, last year in mid-range jumpers, he shot 31%, and that was most of his field goal attempts. And, and, and really, he was more accurate from three by 10%. 
So, there is a way for James Akinio to completely burn me here and be a very quality player in the Big 12, and that's be better at your shot quality and your selection of shots. You know, kind of pick and choose a little bit more of when you start to take your shots. Uh, but I'm going to have to see that uh, to, re to really believe in what he's able to do. There's no mistake that he is a very, very solid player. Uh, but I just am not so sure uh, that he will be able to perhaps contribute as much as perhaps what we, we could expect. He is a big name. He's going to get a lot of the big choke defenses on him. So it's not necessarily me fearing that he's going to completely go downhill. He'll, he'll have a decent year, I think. But if he does not improve his shot selection, that's probably all he's ever going to get to is that decent level. If he improves his shot selection, he's going to burn me on this. And he's going to have a pretty solid year. But, and, and, but until then, I just got to, to me, I just got to see that to absolutely believe it there. So we're going to close our show out here with our preseason forecast. We'll bring that to you here for the next seven minutes before we go off the air. It is, of course, our top five teams uh, in the conference. And we're going to start with you, Dom, and your number five. I'm going to go with Texas Tech. We didn't give our player of the year. Oh, we didn't. That's right. We but didn't. you know what? Texas Tech, I'm going to stick with that. This might shock you. I'm going to say my Big 12 player of the year is Terrence Shannon. Mm. And I don't think he's going to be a very popular mm. pick. You're going to have a lot of guys on Texas and on Kansas that you can pick. And that's exactly why I'm not going to go to them, Nick. Because I think there's going to be a distribution of the riches for Kansas and Texas. But you know what? At Texas Tech, they lost their primary ball handler in Mac McClung. And they also lost Kyler Edwards, one of their other better players. Someone's got to step up. And we know Shannon can handle the ball. We know he can pass it around. He doesn't get the assists that a lot of point guards do. But I think Shannon can be a dominant scorer this year. He came back to Texas Tech this year knowing that his head coach, who recruited him to come to Texas Tech, is gone. And I think that speaks a lot to it. I'm going to take Terrence Shannon to be my Big 12 Player of the Year. He's not going to be a popular pick, but I promise you he's going to exceed everyone's expectations this year. Yeah, he's going to have a very solid year. And, you know, just the overall makeup of this team, Texas Tech is also my number five as well. I mean, be very careful if you're going to try to underestimate guys like Marcus Santos Silva. Be very, very careful what you wish for uh, when it comes up from that. And this Texas Tech team is going to be just fine because... The defensive abilities uh, that, the co that the coaching staff will preach to the players is not going to change at all. I mean, Mark Adams is one of the guys that really built that alongside Chris Beard as well. Uh, so, very, very solid stuff. Now, you have to wait a little bit though, to hear my conference prayer of the year as I completely butchered that great thing on your part. You're number four. My number four. Well, I already said Texas Tech is the five in case anyone needs a reminder. Number four is going to be West Virginia. I think that they're going to have a lot of offensive talent here. Hopefully, the defense gets better. But uh, Press Virginia, I got a feeling it's going to come back and they're going to be a very talented team this year. Be very, very careful if you are trying to underestimate Oklahoma State just because Cade Cunningham is gone. His teammates are just as viable as well. They are at my number four wow. spot. Okay. And I will say the gap between Oklahoma State, Tennessee, Tech, West Virginia, I don't think is that big. No, it's not. And, and you can really interchange. There's a very big gap between, I'm assuming you're going to put Baylor here at three. Uh, I'm right. He's Nick's nodding. It's great radio. Uh, <laughs> Baylor, there's a big gap between Baylor at three and then my West Virginia at four, Nick's Oklahoma State at four. And then I can also assume we want a verbal confirmation on this one, Nick. There's a big gap between Kansas and Texas at one and two and then Baylor at three. You'll have to wait a little bit to find that out. Okay. All right. That's fine. Uh, but you're right. Uh, back to your original point. West Virginia, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. They're all going to be teams that I think are going to be ranked throughout the year. 
and they're all going to be in the NCAA tournament. So there's really no wrong order. I'm not going to criticize you for putting Oklahoma State at four. But I, I had them at six behind Texas Tech and West Virginia. Yeah, real quickly for me, number three, Baylor. It's just I, I really do like the type of guys that are on this Baylor program. It's just, I mean, at least in Texas and Kansas, they've got really good rosters. And now Baylor is becoming the hunted and not the hunters anymore. That could also affect things a little bit as well. Your number three? Yeah, my number three is Baylor. Like I mentioned, they, they've got they've got a lot of talent there still, and they also brought in a couple of key transfers. So I think that Baylor, they're going to have a huge target on their back being the national champions. But I think that they're going to handle it well. I have Kansas at the second spot. Uh, I I and this this is more of can Mart and Jesescu step up to that tier A level of competition? Their proven track record so far, n- not really. That's not something that I'm quite seeing from them yet. They can prove me wrong, but I got Kansas at number two. Yeah, I think that's fair. These are two teams that I think could very easily be playing in April next year. I'm going to have Texas at two. I just think that there's a little bit more uncertainty with all of these transfers as opposed to Kansas, who has a lot of returning talent as well as these other transfers. And they have two really good head coaches. So I have Texas at two, which also means... I have Kansas at one. Yes. And Texas for me at number one. Marcus Carr is my conference player of the year. Just straight up. There you go. And and if Chris Beer can do with Marcus Carr what he did with Matt McClung, it's it's game over for the Big 12, quite frankly. Uh, Marcus Carr for Jeremy Allen is going to be a fun, fun matchup, mm-hmm. to be perfectly frank. I just think that Chris Beard is going to be able to elevate Marcus Carr to another level that is going to completely make every Big 12 opponent scared of what Marcus Carr can do. Uh, but the rest of this, I mean, the two other returning guards, Randy and Jones, are also very, very good in their own respective rights. While he's going to be able to divvy up the minutes to the forwards, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how that one goes up. But I think the talent's there for the Texas team. Yeah, the, the, the race between those two teams. And so... I wasn't asking you for your order for your one and two teams, but I was saying, like, the, there's a big gap between one and two and then three and then three and then four, five, six. Yeah, I, I think that gap is def, definitely there. Right. I mean, it's not to say that Bayern won't be a top 15 team, but no. Texas and Kansas are on another level, I think. Yeah, it's not like last year where Baylor was the very clear number one at 13 and one, then Kansas got second in the conference at 12 and six, while Oklahoma State got fifth in the conference at 11 and 7 and then Texas Tech at 9 and 8, Oklahoma at 9 and 8. Got 6 and 7. It's not going to be like that. I think there's going to be some tears in this Big 12, but it's still one of the best conferences in the nation. Yeah, and then there will and there will and there will still be spots where you'll see that parity, but it could be a bit more of a defined Big 12 conference this season as you said. Next week, the Bonanza is previewing the Big 10 conference. And that's going to be all kinds of fun with the way that conference just continues and continues to get better and better. Uh, but that'll be the conference of focus next week here on the College of Bass Bonanza. If you missed any part of today's show or even our ACC show last week, or perhaps want to listen to it again, you can do it on your favorite podcast platform pretty much wherever you like. Just search College Bass Bonanza and you'll be able to do that for your own. Final word of the Big 12 before we head out? Transfers. Uh, a lot of talent incoming. I think that it's going to be fun. Yeah, all kinds of an intrigue uh, for the Big 12 Conference this year. And just so many new faces to that conference. It's going to be a really fun season. And that'll be it for us here this evening on the College Bass Bonanza. 
for Dominic Stern, I'm Nicholas Hodel. If you're still listening to us here on BlazeRadioOnline.com, thank you so much for your time. Our fantastic Blaze Radio DJ will take you through the rest of the night. And as we'll be doing every Sunday night here on the College Basketball, we're going to leave you with one shining moment. Have a very good week, everybody.